My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all of the guidance, research, and encouragement that you need to remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we have Mary, and I'm really excited to hear more about her story and share it with the women in our community. So Mary, if you don't mind, just first and foremost, going over some background information about your family, just some demographic information about where you're at right now and what your family really consists of. Sure. Well, thank you so much for um, having me. And I really, my goal is for my story to help as many people as possible. Um, so I am 41 years old. Um, we live in the Lake Country in Wisconsin, and um, we are a tight family of four. So um, I have a 12-year-old, almost 13, and a five-year-old going on about like 18, 19. <laughs> How it goes. My two and a half year old told me yesterday that he's 15. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we um, are a homeschool family. We were homeschooling before homeschool was uh, more common as it is right now. And um, I also own my own business. So we definitely stay very busy and we're heavily involved in sports and all kinds of other extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. So many questions, especially with the owning a business and homeschooling, because I know a lot of women deal with struggles related to those issues, but just with the timeline of everything, I'm curious what your pregnancies were like and what your general adjustment to motherhood was like. Okay. Well, um, I, well, we we were married at 25. I was 25, husband 26. And um, we knew that we wanted to have children, but we kind of felt an urgency as we started um, coming out of those wild years and calming down, buying a house, deciding, okay, we want a family. So um, we unfortunately had several miscarriages. And the last one was a ectopic pregnancy. And that was the hardest, I think. Well, it was the hardest for us because we saw that the baby was alive in my fallopian tubes and there was nothing that the doctors could do about it. So um, after suffering that miscarriage, we decided that we wanted to go um, with in vitro because I was 29 at that time and my husband was 30. So um, we are jokesters in our house and um, we had to find a doctor that would fit our personality. So at the time we were living um, in the South, 
and we found a doctor that we loved, which I highly recommend um, because some of them are just kind of by the book and some of them will really get to know you as a couple. And we were fortunate enough um, to have success with our first round of IVF. So that is our now 12 year old. Um, and it was a hard experience, but after everything that you go through, it was, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And we had um, a healthy little baby in the end. After we did that in vitro, um, we decided three years later, we had an, one embryo left in cryo storage. So we got all ramped up. I had all my shots. And then the morning that we were going for the transfer, um, we got the call from the lab that nobody wants that our embryos did, or our embryo, I should say, did not thaw. So once again, we were heartbroken, but we just decided, you know what, we're going to be a family of three. So we started making um, decisions you wouldn't if you were expecting to have another child, like new small car and, you know, fun projects around the house. Well, seven years later, we became pregnant <laughs> naturally. <laughs> and here is our little um, almost, well, our almost six-year-old now. So um, being a mom for me is um, challenging, but it's the best job in the world. Um, I grew up in a very abusive household and... Um, it's very hard for me to not parent my kids the way that I had wished to be parented. I, I can't stand, I have no tolerance um, to see my children upset, for example. I see that, I see almost myself being in their shoes and wanting to be comforted. Um, so I just kind of think about what my parents would have done and do the opposite. And I feel like I could write a book about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I you're bringing me back to my first time leaving the house without my child. So probably like a week or two after I had given birth and I just, I think I just needed time to go to the grocery store or something. And I remember crying because I was like, I, I remember even saying out loud to myself, like I, I knew it would be hard not sleeping. I knew it would be hard, you know, being by myself when my husband went back to work, but nobody prepared me for how emotionally difficult it would be to see him in distress. Yes. And it was like, even to this day, like two and a half years later, I still feel like that's my biggest kryptonite and something that I personally need to work on so much as a parent is like mm -hmm. my own tolerance for his distress. And I don't yes. know where the heck that's coming from, but the whole issue of reparenting is super just intriguing to me because it's, it's such a big deal. And it's not a, it's not a concept that I ever, ever thought of before I was like in the trenches myself. So again, just so happy to have you here and just talk to me more about that. Um, I think that um, the easiest way to explain it will just kind of be going back into my story of um, where I came from and kind of where that has brought me um, to being a mother. Um, so just some backstory on me. I um, 
my parents divorced when I was very young. I was four. Um, and I do have some very early memories of that. Um, I, one of my earliest memories is actually my mother leaving my father. Um, we were military family back then. And, um, my, I remember watching my mother packing and seeing how upset my father was and, um, that it's more of a feeling, which I've learned through therapy when you're that young and you have these memories, you don't remember words, you remember pictures and you also can remember feelings. So I, I remember that feeling of sadness and I kind of didn't know what to expect. So I just, I, it sits with me today. I can still remember it clear as day watching my dad, um, walk, away um, back to base to tell his um, the people that he worked with what was going on and so from there um, I was moved back to the states and to a very abusive situation um, my early I have early memories of um, waking up and seeing um, I'll just to protect privacy, I'll call him L. Seeing L sitting in the living room, and then my mind flashes to the next moment of um, standing in front of the mirror in the bathroom and washing blood off of my face, and he's washing blood off of his arm. And that was when I was four or five years old. So um, after a couple of years of living through that, um, my mother decided that maybe that wasn't the best place for me, but it was a good place for her. Um, so I was sent across country by myself the summer before first grade to live with my maternal um, grandparents. And I always say that if it weren't for them, I would not have turned out the way that I am now. I was shown love and compassion and given a chance to play and just learn life skills like um, how to do my times tables and things like that. I stayed with my grandparents for um, first grade through third grade. And then um, after that, I was surprised with a visit um, to my biological father. I hadn't seen him in many, well, in a couple of years, not many years, because I was so little. Um, and then um, from there, my mother surprised me with a trip to come visit her. And of course, when I got there, I was like the sparkly new toy. So everyone was excited to see me. And um, she somehow manipulated me and convinced me along with some other adults there that I should call my grandparents who loved me more than anyone in the world and tell them that I didn't want to come back, that I wanted to stay there. And so at, um, I don't know, remember what age, but the summer before fourth grade, she stood there with me in the hallway um, while I made that call and my um, grandparents were devastated. And this situation that I'm telling you about right now is something that I've heavily worked on to be able to just be able to talk about it in therapy. So six months ago, I wouldn't have been able to even tell you this story without just breaking down and just being um, traumatized all day. So I called my grandma. She was devastated. Later, um, 
after my grandfather passed away, she told me she'd only see, she'd only seen him cry twice in their marriage. Once was when his mother died. And the second time was when he found out I wasn't coming back. So that was, um, that, that I have, I've been diagnosed with PTSD and that moment is something that I flashed to quite often because that was kind of a turning point in my life. Um, from there, I stayed with my mother. She was not always there physically. And unfortunately, when she wasn't there, I was the, um, I guess you could say punching bag um, for L. Um, his brother also lived there and he also physically and emotionally abused me every day. So for 17 years, every day I was told that I was stupid, that I was fat, that I was going to um, grow up and be stupid and fat like my mother. Um, my mother would, she was obsessed with acne and picking at my face. So for hours, she would make me stand against the wall in the bathroom while she constantly just picked and scratched at my skin. And I would cry and cry and beg for her to stop. And um, when I did that, she would just slap me and tell me how ugly I was when I cried. Um, and somehow, I don't know how, I kept this all a secret. I think I must have thought that this was normal. Um, but it was horrific at the time. Um, my grand, my mother and grandparents came to an agreement that I would be able to visit them all summer every year. So that was my reprieve. If I could just make it to the summertime, I would have a break from all of this. And, um, uh, I'm ashamed to admit it, but every summer I would come back and I would try to take my life. I would, um, I was just so upset and I just couldn't stand being there. And I couldn't understand why the adults in my life that I loved couldn't protect me from that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about that for sure. Um, and then, so every summer through probably, I guess my senior year, or no, my junior year, I visited them. Um, as I got older into high school, it became easier because I had boyfriends and things like that, that I was anxious to get back to. But until then, it was always a huge um, dread for me all summer. Um, eventually, we moved from the uh, East Coast to the South. And um, I thought that maybe things would change with that move, but unfortunately, they just seemed to escalate. When I was um, in high school, I loaded the dishwasher wrong. I somehow had put dishes in the dishwasher um, to Elle's disliking. And so at that point, I was just fed up. I was tired. I just was ready to just fight back. And I felt old enough and big enough that maybe I could. So um, he started screaming in my face about how stupid I was, how I couldn't load the dishwasher right. So I decided to just walk away. 
And as I walked away, he grabbed my arm and spun me around as hard as he could and slapped me so hard across my face that he ruptured my eardrum. And um, my mother was upstairs at the time. So she came running down the stairs and said, um, not to me, how are, are you okay? What happened? She just told him, I told you never to hit her in the head. And from there, they put me in my room for the night while I was crying and telling them I couldn't hear. I was in so much pain. Rupturing an eardrum is extremely painful. And so they decided that night um, that I, if I still, if I needed to go to the doctor in the morning, that I needed to tell them that I was wrestling with my siblings who are um, my half siblings and they never were um, abused like I was. I was not Elle's biological child. So he, I, I don't know if that's why he didn't like me. And I feel like I just, I can't even speculate at this point. It's not good for my sanity. Um, but they said, tell the nurses that you were wrestling and that's what happened. So the next morning, um, I was, I had to go to the emergency room with Elle. Um, my mother wouldn't take me and the doctors and nurses smelled a lie a mile away, but I stuck with my story um, and they didn't believe me, but they let me go and they called the school. And once I got called into the um, counselor's office at school, I just broke. It was like all these years of abuse. I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I finally told the counselors my story and they called CPS and somehow, um, well, they went to Elle's work and talked to him, but somehow my mother, who seems to charm her way out of every situation, got them to believe that um, there was only reason to believe that was their final ruling, that something could have happened, um, but they did not intervene. So um, it was, I was punished, of course, because CPS was involved. That was all my fault somehow. And um, I had, I lived with them until I graduated high school. And then one day um, my mom found some pills in my backpack as I was leaving for work. I had a good job out of high school and she kicked me out with the clothes on my back. So from there, I was in self-destruct mode with friends and um, boyfriends, just bad situation after bad situation until I turned about, well, until I met my now husband and he really, he listened and he wasn't into that kind of stuff. And we have been able to build a decent life for ourselves. We've got a great family, but um, all of everything that I experienced in my past has caused a lot of unrest with us um, throughout our marriage. We've been married for 15 years now. So um, knowing that backstory, uh, I guess will help kind of explain how I handle things in my 
current life. Yeah, absolutely. I have so much that I want to say and I just need to start first and foremost with just thank you and I honor you and I'm so appreciative that you were able to unpack all those things. I know that that had to have been really difficult, but I'm hopeful that it was at least somewhat therapeutic and cathartic to kind of get it out and I'm sorry for everything that it is that you had to go through. I cannot even begin to imagine how difficult that was and also how that impacted your motherhood experience. And so I think that's what's going to be so fascinating and just so incredible. Um, and also we'll speak to your resiliency just as a woman and as a person that you were able to go through all those things and kind of personally and in your relationship with your husband, turn those things around and now you're a mom and I know we're all curious to know how did those experiences impact your willingness and, and desire to become a mom in the first place? I think that um, children, it's, well, it's hard to explain. I knew that I wanted a family and I knew what families looked like on TV. Um, my husband has the most amazing family. His, um, his dad passed away when he was 17 and his mom is just an amazingly strong woman. I love my mother-in-law. I know a lot of women can't say that, but she has been the mother to me that I always dreamed of. She's just an amazing lady. So she's been a role model for me. And I just saw how tight um, my husband's family is. And so I just thought, man, it, it's, it would be so great to help build that family, like to have a child come into this loving world um, would be amazing. And then just having a child and having that kind of family with my husband, I was like, gosh, this is all I could have ever dreamed of. So um, once our oldest was born, we, she had reflux, which I'm sure many women have dealt with a baby with reflux. So we took her to the doctor for like every little thing because first time parents, that's what we do. And the doctor told us that she, it was possible she could choke in her um, sleep and die. And so we were like, oh my gosh. And I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. So for the first like six months of her life, I held her every night as she slept so I could watch over her and make sure that she kept breathing. So I have been extremely overprotective. I would almost say that I'm a smotherer, <laughs> not a mother, but a smother, and um, very vigilant in protecting our kids. Um, and that has been an issue in our marriage too, because I cannot discipline like that to me mentally is just more than I can handle because it was never modeled for me what healthy discipline looks like so um, we tried to get our oldest to sleep in her crib I'm not a fan of cry it out but we had a pediatrician at the time we switched from the horrible news pediatrician and she um, spent time with me over the phone after hours. Like she talked me through it and I was like, okay, we're going to put her in a crib and she will just cry it out for a little bit and it'll all be fine. Well, that was a total disaster. I could not stand to see her 
crying. She just cried and cried and cried. So eventually I took her to the guest room and slept with her in there. And then um, my husband was like, okay, if you're going to sleep in the guest room with her, just come in here and we'll all have good sleep. And I was like, okay. So that was an issue. Um, when um, I see, I, I feel like this is natural, but when I, my kids have any friend problems or um, like problems with other kids and activities, I just immediately want to stand up for them and fix the situation. But I'm learning slowly that it's okay to let them work it out and it's more healthy for them to do it. Um, chores are a huge problem. I don't want them to have to do any chores at all, but um, my husband insists that it will help them in the future. And I've learned through therapy too. Well, one day they're going to go out into the world and they're going to need to know how to do the dishes or um, do some laundry. And it's not torture. It's actually good for them to learn and fail at home first. I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbaugh, one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. Yeah, you're bringing it back to this concept of the whole podcast, really, which is this this need and this ability to do hard things. And mm -hmm. your perception of hard things has been so tainted because of your horrific experiences that it was almost like, it wasn't just hard things that you had to go through. These were like impossible traumatic things. And yes. Now your brain in an effort to protect you and to protect your kids, it's almost like there are, there's no barometer for hard things. Like it's mm -hmm. just, it's either no, it's either like, I'm going to do it for you or it's going to be awful and traumatic and horrific, even if it's as yes. simple as objectively like doing the dishes. And so mm -hmm totally, I can see how your traumatic incidents in the past have affected that. And those are such great examples of these like day-to-day -day activities where your kind of symptoms come up. And I think that's really helpful. So I guess, what is it that you're learning? You've already kind of talked about some of these things, but like, what is it that you're learning as your kiddos get older and you're having to like put your needs aside and like, let them go through hard things? How do you do that? hard <laughs> it's hard <laughs> it's very hard um i think about um while working with my therapist i just think about how hard it would be for them if we sent them out in the world into the world completely sheltered if they if i didn't let go and let them 
try things and experience things and learn how to do things that I was um, punished for doing wrong, then how are they going to be productive members of society? And also something that's still very hard for me to deal with and hard for me to kind of shelter them from is I don't want them seeing me just so upset all the time and that being a picture to them of what motherhood looks like, what womanhood looks like. Um, So trying to find that balance is so difficult, but um, trying not to shelter them and loving them as much as possible is, is like a juggling act really. Absolutely. Like a minute by minute juggling act, I'm sure. Yes. You're taking care of them, obviously, by trying to just put everything into perspective, you know, thinking about them in the long term and wanting to do everything that is the best for them, even if it's in the short term, not very easy or, or, or if it's really difficult for them. So how do you take care of yourself like during this whole reparenting process? That is a, a good question to ask. So um, recently, well, actually last two Tuesdays ago, I graduated, I'm calling it a graduation, they'll call it a discharge, (laughs) from Rogers um, Partial Inpatient Trauma Program. And um, that has truly changed my life. It's helping me to um, change my way of thinking. One thing I learned that I never even had heard of or knew about from my background is self-compassion. I, they asked me about self-compassion and I was like, what is that? I don't even know what you're talking about. So every night before we checked out for the night, we had to make goals and we had to have five goals, um, things that we would do that evening for self-compassion. And so at first I was like nothing because everything that I do is for somebody else. Why would I have to take care of myself? Like that's maybe, you know, once a month I'll do something nice for myself. And so, um, I have found that, allowing myself to kind of unplug from family time for even like 30 minutes to journal, um, to lift up friends, um, that are having a hard time just texting with them or, um, FaceTiming with them, um, or even just taking a shower and like using the nice shower stuff that's almost always a gift and relaxing that is enough for me to kind of recharge my batteries and feel good about myself and be able to give a hundred percent back to, or put a hundred percent back into my family. Yeah. That's so important because in order for you to show up as your best self, which I'm sure takes so much mental energy, you have to be able to take care of yourself a little bit first too. Yes. Um, I don't want to end this and go into my conclusion questions without first kind of talking about your business and your, like how you do that as a mom on top of everything else and homeschooling. So on top of all of the reparenting that you do and, um, just really trying to 
handle all these difficulties and whatnot. What is it like owning your own business as a mom throughout all of this and doing the whole homeschool situation? Well, owning my own business has been such a great um, distraction for me. Um, I, through Rogers therapy, I learned about um, avoidance, which I'm a pro at, and distractions. And distractions are so much more um, healthy for me. Um, so if I am feeling really anxious, really down, um, and I'm just ruminating on things that happened in the past and thinking that, man, I, I do suck. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. Nobody loves me. Then I will go out to my workshop, AKA my garage, but workshop sounds way more cooler. And I will, um, go like paint something or, you know, I've, I'm completely self-taught. So I will go build a piece of furniture, um, or, you know, just create something. Um, I build custom pieces of furniture. I refinish, um, like antique pieces or family heirloom pieces so I can bring them back to life. I also paint, um, like Christmas ornaments or custom art pieces. And this is just something that I've discovered that I can do. It's like completely self-taught. And one problem that I run into that with my trauma background is I hate delivering these pieces. I've, I've had nothing but good reviews. And honestly, I know that someday I will have a bad review and I will deal with that when it happens. But um, nothing has happened in my business so far that should make me think, oh, when I deliver this, they're going to hate it. But that's where my mind goes because all my life I was told, you know, you're not going to amount to anything. Um, and the dishwasher, the dishwasher, the dishes were put in wrong and all of that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So for a while I was trying to avoid seeing the people that I delivered to like, leave it on their porch or, um, send my husband to drop it off. And so in therapy, we talked about that avoidance. So that that's an example of my unhealthy avoidance. Um, and I was challenged to just do it, you know, just go and do it. So most recently I built a piece, this huge homeschool table with shelves underneath it that I completely designed myself and I put it off, put off the delivery, didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. My friends are like my sweet Christian friends that would know my situation. I don't, I haven't shared my story a lot, but I've decided it's time to be transparent. So I had shared parts of my story with her and I think she would have been gentle if she hated it. Um, but I brought it over and they wanted us to stay for dinner too afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're not going to want to stay for dinner. This is going to be horrible. And guess what? They loved it. And, um, <laughs> And now you have that experience that yes. as opposed to, as you know, you know, had you avoided that you would mm -hmm. have consciously or not, we would have had this idea like, Oh, thank goodness. I didn't go through with that. Cause that would have been really bad versus yes. now that we went through that. Now we have that corrective experience of, Oh my gosh, like people do accept me. My work isn't always crap. <laughs> like this yes. is awesome. Good for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So many uh, good things. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like you said, it's really hard things and you really have to be committed to working through it. And it's not easy at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what do you wish you knew before we could even say like earlier in motherhood or before pregnancy or even at any point during your story, what do you wish you knew before that you know now? That it wasn't my fault that I was in, I love my therapist, like listening to her say like questionable words, <laughs> like swearing. Um, it was like hearing a teacher swear in school. I was like, oh, that's terrible. But she would say, you know what? You went through a sucky situation and um, what happened to you back then was not your fault. And reprogramming my mind to realize, you know what, that was a crap situation. That really sucked. They are a bunch of jerks. Um, and it's not my fault. You know, I am not who my past is. I am so much more. And the one thing that um, kind of helps me carry on, I am a Christian and I just think, you know, God, there was a reason for that and that somehow what happened to me is going to be able to help someone else. And that is the solace that I've gained from my whole life experience to this point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know just by doing what you're doing here right now, it's going to be helpful for other women. Um, I hope so. I really, truly do. I just, my heart goes out to anyone that has been in this situation. So what would you tell yourself back then if you could talk to that woman now? Oh, um, I would tell myself that this is not normal, that it is okay to speak up. I was threatened that I could not tell anybody like my grandparents because they would, um, it would kill her if she knew what was happening. I couldn't tell my dad because I wouldn't be able to see the siblings that I was living with now. Um, and I would just tell myself those are lies. That is completely ridiculous. And you know what? Um, tell, tell somebody. It doesn't matter who, just tell them. What's important for other moms to know other than what you've already shared? I think being transparent, not being afraid to be judged. If there is something ugly that's happened to you or messy in your life, people are not going to judge you for what has happened to you because I feel like from the people I've talked to, it's not your fault. Bad things happen to us, unfortunately, in life, and we can overcome them. And um, just, you know, some, some friends I've found cannot handle the, um, the messy ugliness in our lives, and they will walk away, and it's going to be painful. But through that, you will find the friends and family members that will stick with you no matter what and that care and they want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? 
Oh, I wish that we didn't have to go through anything hard. <laughs> um, but I think it helps us grow as people. And it's just my firm belief that the hard things, there's a reason for these hard things. And one day we will um, meet somebody that is struggling and your story is going to be able to pull them out of that dark place and um, hopefully be able to save them and know that they're not alone. And, you know, there's just horrible people in this world that will manipulate you and hurt you. But there's also wonderful people that are ready to just reach out and hug you and love on you and that would do anything to keep you safe. Doing this interview, I do sound like, well, I think I sound fairly positive and put together, but I do just want to stress that this is not my every day. I do still have bad days. I still do have dark days. And um, I, I'm going to probably struggle with that my well, I am sure that I'm going to struggle with that for my whole life. And I don't want you to think that going through treatment every day is just going to be wonderful and you're not going to cry. I mean, this week I had a day where I just laid in bed all day um, and cried because my kids went through a tough situation. We had kind of a tough family situation to deal with and I was just down all day and I've kind of decided through my most recent therapy that I needed to have some people to check in with me. If I start, stop engaging with um, conversations or they don't hear from me and they're expecting to, then they check in with me. And also my husband, he knows that when he sees me like that, you know, you've got to, he's got to help me get out of bed and get moving. And so um, just to protect me from my mind and my tendency to be depressed, um, I have those in place. So please don't think that um, because I sound upbeat today means that yesterday I did not have some bad moments. And I just... I want to stress that um, so that you definitely don't feel alone in the ups and downs of life. For more information and resources, you can head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other women and people in general who need these resources and they would otherwise not get them. With that said, thank you guys again so much for tuning in. I love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.